Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Well, friends, what a great joy to be with you. And thank you, Dr. Osner, for your invitation and the opportunity to be here. And as I said on the video, I'm very keen to speak over the course of this week to anybody who would like to explore ministry in the huge Diocese of Bathurst. We cover a third of the size of New South Wales, and yet there are only 29 parishes across that whole area. So it's a joy uh, to me for me to be with you today to help us think a little bit about our mission in Australia. Here's what we're going to do over these three days. Australia and the Good Deposit, Australia and Terrible Times from 2 Timothy 3, and Australia and its greatest need from 2 Timothy uh, 4, basically. Well, as we uh, start, I want to share with you from uh, Australia and the good deposit from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. If you'd have that open in front of you, that would be fantastic. Um, I want to ask uh, you just to look at the verse prior to the passage that was read for us. So uh, verse 8. Verse 8 has an invitation in it. It's not an invitation that we often expect. It's not an invitation to a stroll down Ligon Street or a walk along Port Phillip Bay. It's an invitation to join Paul in suffering, in suffering for the gospel. So chapter 1, verse 8, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We're thinking this week about mission in Australia. And I don't think we associate it with suffering all that much. In fact, suffering doesn't get a mention in many of our churches. Many of our churches promise anything but suffering. But here's a call not to be ashamed of the gospel or shy about the gospel or embarrassed about the gospel, just as many Christians, many churches are. The number of Christians and clergy I know who pushed back on social media after Q&A last Thursday night was astonishing. Many of the clergy that I know from my old diocese in Brisbane put up, ACL does not speak for me, was their cry. And they don't want to hurt, be heard to be saying anything like repentance or that anything that might upset people. The only time that they speak about anything which might upset people is when they want to speak about refugees and climate change. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that has become their major focus, their gospel. Paul's call to Timothy here is rather to be upfront about the gospel, clear about the gospel, confident about the gospel, no matter what the consequences are. Even if those consequences mean persecution or arrest or being blown up or killed, in our nation at this time, you will probably face none of those extreme consequences. But you may face being marginalised or ostracised or ridiculed or ignored or being sacked from playing rugby or blocked on social media. So let's take a moment to ask why. Why is it worth putting your life on the line, your reputation on the line, your friendships on the line in the cause of the gospel? Why is mission in Australia worth making sacrifices for. Paul lays it out for Timothy and for us again to make sure we know what the gospel is all about and why it's worth suffering for. 
So here's where we're heading this morning, uh, that we've been saved and called to a holy life. We're looking at the God who has destroyed death in the person of Jesus. We're looking about him who is able to guard our life and the call for us to guard the gospel. So first of all, the God who saved us and called us to a holy life. Uh, Verse 8b, it's one long sentence in the Greek, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Friends, there's the gospel. The gospel is about God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. It's about what God has done magnificently, decisively and wonderfully in saving us and reorientating our lives. He's saved us from death and saved us from being separated from him so that we might be separated out for him in a holy life. That rescue, as you know, cost Jesus his life. I could almost guarantee that if you were pulled out of the Yarra River by a a paramedic or a fire officer, you'd spend the rest of your life supporting that individual and their organisation. You'd happily tell the story and spread the news about how brilliant your rescue was. Or if the flying doctor service saved your life when you were minutes away from death, you'd stand up and defend the flying doctor service no matter what. And friends, if you've properly grasped the significance, the reality of the fact that you've been rescued from death by Jesus for a holy life, you will spend the rest of your life defending Jesus and sharing the story of your rescue with others. And just as when the surf lifer, surf lifer comes, uh, surf lifesaver comes over the huge next wave and drags you onto her board, or the helicopter rescues you, wrenches you to safety, the rescue is all of their work and none of yours. So too is our rescue, all of God's doing, and none of ours. And just in case you are in any doubt about that, Paul adds, not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace. Somehow we often manage to turn it back into something we have done, doesn't it? Don't we? But it's all of God's work and only because of his mercy. So he has saved us and called us to a holy life. But there's more (laughs) because we read of this God who has destroyed death. So let's pick up the text again in verse 9b. He's been talking about being saved through God's grace and he adds... This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There are many people today working out how they can live longer. So plenty of people down at the gym. I saw one of our staff members working out this morning. Uh, I was walking down to Ligon Street for dinner last night and heaps of people out in the parklands exercising, doing anything that they might, uh, so they might extend their life and live a good life and good on them for doing that. Um, many people, uh, when they end up in hospital, uh, along with their families, along with their doctors, will want to do anything that they can to prolong life. Despite the push for euthanasia, there are still many other people who will do anything they can to prolong life. And even at age 89, all the tests and MRIs and blood tests to keep their loved ones alive at all costs because people fear death. 
And so they must do everything they can to ward off death, to put off the inevitable. And here comes the gospel which says, death has been destroyed and life in immortality has been brought to light. Big funeral at Sunshine Beach before I left there to go to Bathurst. 200 people inside the church, 100 outside. A lady well known in the community, seven years battling cancer. What a joy it was to begin the service with the words from Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and the one who lives believing in me will never die. Isn't that an extraordinary promise? And the Apostle Paul can ridicule death saying, ha, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Death is dead. Allow that to sink in. That is why the gospel is such good news. And friends, that is why Australians need to hear this news. And will you notice that God's salvation plan was never plan B? No, this grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. His rescue was part of God's plan before time to show us his glory and magnificent mercy. And those before time plans all came to light when Jesus turned up. And notice that Jesus didn't turn up just so that we could have a better life. He turned up to destroy death. Easter morning, the tomb was empty because Jesus had destroyed death. Evil and death met Jesus in an almighty battle and Jesus won. And because he destroyed death, life and immortality has been brought to life. I visited somebody in hospital in my last year, again in Noosa, who was given just three months to live and she was so excited because she trusted Jesus and she was so excited to go exploring all that had been promised for her. She knew that death had been defeated. Mission in Australia? Yes, Australians need to hear this. You know, for a while, COVID made people stop and take some notice of the fragility of life. And I don't know what it's like here in Victoria, but I kind of get the feeling where I live, we're back to life as normal, where superficial things are now all important again and the important things get pushed away because they're all too hard. Friends, here is the news. Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that news is worth putting our lives on the line for. Because even if our life is put at risk for sharing the gospel, we trust God who is able to guard what we've, what we've entrusted to him. Back with me to the text, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What had Paul entrusted to God? His life. Jesus had laid down his life for Paul and in response, Paul has laid down his life for Jesus. That's what every Christian does, isn't it? We deny ourselves and we tack up our cross and we follow Jesus. This is no problem to Paul because he knows whom he has believed. He has every confidence in the one 
that he's put his trust in. Because he knows whom he has believed, he knows in turn that he can trust God with his life. We had missionaries associated with our Roseville Church who worked in a difficult area in Johannesburg, Johannesburg called Leondale. I asked them one day when they were about to head back, aren't you concerned for your lives in this so, such a dangerous place? And they answered, there's no safer place to be than in the centre of God's will. Isn't that fantastic? Paul would agree. If Jesus has destroyed death, then our lives actually can never be at risk because laying our physical lives on the line by standing up for Jesus is actually no big deal. Surely, brothers and sisters, we too can say with Paul, I am prepared to suffer for the gospel because I know whom I've believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him that day, my very life. That day I go to meet him or Jesus returns. Well, finally, he guards our life for him and we guard the good deposit for him. Have a look at me at verse 13. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So we entrust him with our life, which he guards for us, and he entrusts us with the gospel, which we guard for him. The gospel was certainly under threat right from the first century, wasn't it? The letter to the Galatians is about those who want to add to the gospel. The letter to the Hebrews is about those who want to subtract from the gospel, subtract Jesus from the gospel. Just about every letter in the New Testament mentions false teachers who want to twist and distort the gospel to their own ends. So Timothy is to take what he's heard from Paul and keep it as the pattern of sound teaching. Uh, today there are professionals whose job it is to guard things. That is, they're those who superintend weights and measures to make sure that a kilogram is always a kilogram and uh, um, a metre is always a metre. There are those who guard time so that a minute is always a minute and a year is always a year. It takes discipline. You have to have a standard or a pattern to start with and then compare every other unit to that standard or pattern. Paul says to Timothy, make sure you do that with the gospel. Take what you've heard from me and keep it as the standard by which you compare everything else. Don't do it arrogantly or puffed up with pride. Do it, he says, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit with the help of the Holy Spirit, he says. Friends, Paul's charge to Timothy is God's charge to us. We in our day, especially in Australia right now, we still have to guard the good deposit. Yes, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Yes, with the help of the Holy Spirit. But guard it, we must. And that means that we must consistently test things that we read or that we hear against what we read here. And if it doesn't add up, or if it's not in accord with what we read here, we must call it out. We must say, well, that's not the gospel. I read a quote from a Christian minister last year on Facebook that assured everybody reading that we can't have any confidence that the words attributed to Jesus in the gospels were actually said by Jesus. I watched a sermon on Good Friday from a bishop in our church who said that Christ did not die for our sins. On Good Friday, is a message for you. 
and who ridiculed substitutionary atonement, saying that it's like God standing there with his arms folded, crossed with us, but punishing Jesus. When we hear stuff like that, we understand why Paul says what he says and that he urges people to guard the good deposit. So, friends, please, whatever you intend to do with your training here at Rudy, please join with me in guarding the gospel, in making sure that what we read here remains the gospel that we trust, the gospel we proclaim and the gospel we pass on. Brothers and sisters, in this Mission in Australia week, I want to urge you to be prepared to stand up for the gospel, to suffer for the gospel, to make sacrifices in the cause of the gospel in this nation and to please guard the gospel. And the best way you can do all of that is to be involved in the work of the gospel, in the mission of the gospel right throughout Australia, in the largest of its cities to the smallest of its beautiful towns. What's so good about the gospel that we'd be prepared to suffer for it? Well, he saved us and called us to a holy life. He destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. That's what's so good about the gospel. And this gospel is worth guarding. No, it must be guarded in its entirety according to the pattern that we have right here in our hands. For he guards our life for us and we must guard the good deposit for him. Mission in Australia. Let's get on and do it so that the gospel itself will be proclaimed, lived out and protected and guarded. Amen.